everybody. This is Sarah Vialva from the Healing Journey Home. And if you want to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy, you should definitely listen to Stories That Sell with my awesome friend, Scott Ramage. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. In this episode of Stories That Sell, I sit down and chat with Sarah Viola. Sarah is a musician turned grief coach, and she has a pretty incredible story of going through her own grief, how and how music and working in the music industry prepared her for what she is doing now. I would encourage you to listen and take notes because there's a lot of great nuggets in here. Enjoy. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Scott. I really appreciate the opportunity. I've been looking forward to the chat. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear your story. It's always fun to unravel people's stories and uh, figure out what has got them from point A to where they're at now. So let's do that. Let's jump right in. And um, why don't you go ahead and just kind of tell me a little bit about your upbringing, where you're from and what your family structure was like. And uh, we'll start there. Sounds good. So, uh, so my name is Sarah and I'm originally from SoCal. So Southern California, a little high desert town. I don't know if anyone's ever even heard of this place. It's called Lancaster, California. You may have actually driven right through it and didn't even realize you were driving through it. <laughs> One of those kind of towns. Uh, but you know, I, I grew up just in a, in a pretty, pretty stable household, so to speak. I mean, my, my parents were pretty open-minded people. Uh, they got me started pretty early in, in music, actually. Hmm. Giving me into music lessons, which really helped me kind of expand and open myself up to different kinds of people because music in and of itself is its own language. And so that's something that was really prevalent in our household through most of my upbringing. And that's something I really enjoyed. I really appreciated that with my parents. And Were they, music were they musicians? You know, funny enough, uh, my mom always wanted to be, but just due to where she's from, because she's from Korea, that was seen as something to be frowned upon. Oh, wow. And kind of similar story with my father as well, just due to their generations and whatnot. So they wanted to give me what they couldn't have, what they weren't allowed to have. So they were like, hey, whatever you're interested in. That's really, that's really awesome. Yeah. 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 And that really opened up some pretty pretty awesome doors. And I was always very, like a very shy kid. I would get picked on, bullied quite a bit growing up. And so music almost became like this, this escape, this, it was like, I, I, it was like one of my best friends pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say you were picked on, you know, in, in <clears throat> what, what kind of age range is this? Are you talking about? Oh man, I would say between, nine and 10 to 12, 13. Brutal years. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Talk about just feeling lower than low and just, you're trying to make friends. You're kind of getting into those, those tween years where you're not a kid, but you're not quite a teen either. It's like, who am I? What is this? <laughs> so you were involved in music quite early then. If, if that was kind of like your friend doing. Music. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say yeah. you were, you were involved in music, what, what was that? What, or what is that? What do you, what did you do? So I uh, started off with piano lessons. That's something that my mom had always wanted to do. My dad enjoyed that as well. Uh, as much as drums were something that I was interested in, they were like, that's too loud. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, well, hey, let's do piano. You can learn how to read music, all that different stuff. You can learn how to accompany yourself. And so I really came to enjoy piano, but funny enough, I mean, 
probably by the age of 15, 16, I kind of started getting tired of it. I was like, eh, it's not really speaking to me. And then guitar ended up coming into my life. And that is actually what really spoke to me. I was like, oh, now this, this is, this is cool. This I want to do for the rest of my life. And so it was actually a pretty smooth transition just because with piano, I could read different types of music and accompany myself. And so it actually translated over really well. And so that was a really, really fun time just learning how to pick up that instrument. Now you said you picked that up probably like in your teens, right? Yeah. Yeah. 15, 16, something like that. Mm -hmm. So you, you were kind of bullied nine, 10, 11, 12. What, why did that change? Or, you know, you just picked on, why did, why did that change after those years? What happened? You know what, as cliche as it's probably going to sound is it's like when you learn an instrument and you can actually play a song and make something out of it, all of a sudden people are like, oh, you're really cool. Let me be your friend. <laughs> and but for me, I've always been that person that felt like, hey, if, if you were rude and mean, disrespectful beforehand. And that's just going to change just because of this. I don't know. I don't I don't really roll that way. It's like you gotta, you gotta have that, that good heart, like throughout the whole thing. And so that was something that I, I struggled with quite a bit. And so I, I'd say probably musically, that's really what kind of helped shift things as people realize like, wow, you know, this is something that Sarah's dedicated to. Like that's, I probably possibly even inspired some people to want to get into music as well and play. And so that's really when I started noticing the shift is when people notice like, wow, this is something she's passionate about. I want to learn how to do that too. Do you think that your um, self-awareness and your self-confidence was also boosted during that time? Oh yeah, most, most definitely. Uh, because I've always been that kind of person that when I dedicate myself to something, I almost become a little obsessed with it yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I got to learn this song and I got to learn it in two weeks. I don't care if my fingers bleed to death. This is happening. This is happening. And so then I would learn all these songs and of course my knowledge would expand and that and eventually, I mean, the byproduct of that was really that confidence boost and knowing like, hey, this is something that I'm excelling in. This makes me happy. I am starting to actually attract people into my life who do genuinely enjoy spending time with me for me, not just my talents, so to speak, or my hobbies, whatever the case is. Yeah. I was kind of wondering if like, you know, at 15, you're kind of finding your flow. One reason was because you found this thing and it gave you confidence and people are attracted to people that have confidence. Yeah. No, and you're, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, that, that was probably a big part of it too. Cause growing up as a kid, I really had a hard time standing up for myself, had a hard time really knowing who Sarah was like, what, what does my voice sound like? And I would always feel like I was a burden to others. So I would just keep quiet. So I think I was almost this easy target to be picked on because I wouldn't stand up for myself. And then, you know, when music came into my life and especially when guitar came in, it's, it's almost like I found my voice through the instrument and it really helped create and build that confidence in that. And so naturally I started becoming emotionally, mentally stronger, and I was able to pick up on things much quicker from the standpoint of knowing, Hey, this situation isn't right. I'm not being treated correctly, or this person isn't being treated well. I'm going to stand up for that person because I remember what it felt like to be picked on. And I have a voice now and I'm ready and willing to use it. Yeah, that's a pretty incredible lesson. And the fact that you learned it probably at that age is, is pretty young. It's pretty cool. I think I, I would imagine most girls actually I was a middle school teacher for years. So most girls really struggle like 13, 14, 15. That's when it, things get really rough. So what, you know, you're playing guitar, you're falling in love with this. What, what did that lead to? You know, funny enough, I, uh, before music really came into my life, I was, I, you know, after high school and stuff, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to become a vet or a heart surgeon, brain surgeon, whatever the case is. And then with music, because it was becoming such a prominent thing in my life and I was really coming to love it. I thought, you know what? I'm young. I don't have any attachments. There's nothing really that's holding me down anywhere. I think I want to pursue this as a career. I mean, why not? You don't know until you know. And it was a little scary at that time because even though my parents had been the ones to get me into music, I think they had only seen it as me doing this as a hobby, not necessarily as a career. <laughs> yeah. Most of us, when we think about musicians, we think, man, living out of your car, living off of PB and J's. And unfortunately that was something that was 
shared with me by at least my father, who was like, well, I don't want you to live in a cardboard box and eat, you know, ramen for the rest of your life. And I just remember at that time at 17, 18, thinking, you know what? I appreciate where you guys are coming from. I know it's from a place of love. Yeah, you guys just want to make sure that I'm successful. But this is something I got to do for me. I've learned how to find my voice. I've learned how to really carve my own path. I really want to continue to do that. And so I just remember making that decision on high school graduation day saying, okay, I'm going to look into music schools, mentors, whatever the case is, and I'm going to see where this will go. And why not? Because I don't want to be 50, 60, 70 years old looking back and thinking, what if I had tried it? I want to look back and say, okay, I did do it and look at where I am. So you, you make this decision out of high school. What were your next steps? So pretty much after that, I mean, I, I looked into music schools. I went to a couple different music schools over a five, six year period of time. And during that period, I was in, I don't know how many different bands. I made so many great connections, meeting people from all walks of life, from different parts of the world, people who I'm still friends with today, people who I still jam out with to this day. And talk about really finding a voice and really finding my place in the world. I had really felt like at that time, like, yes, this is that thing that I have been searching for all of my life. This is that thing. And it just really brought about so many amazing opportunities. I, I learned about the ins and outs of the music business, how, how to really communicate with people from all different walks of life and building on that confidence. And it was just, that was definitely one of the best periods of my life, like in those early mid twenties. Mm -hmm. Did you go to a school or did you just play? I went to a couple different schools. I first attended a musicians Institute in Hollywood, California. And then after MI, I ended up going to LAMA, which I guess is now called Los Angeles college of music. Mm -hmm. And, and that's in Pasadena. And so I attended the guitar program in both schools, did some music business programs in the Los Angeles College of Music and did some production as well and just really learned the ins and outs about the whole industry in and of itself. What do you, what kind of lessons do you learn? I mean, you've, you've mentioned several times that you learned a lot about business and communication. Yeah. And, and these lessons that you've learned, I'd love to hear what some of those are because it's, it's such a unique, like I think people see that <laughs> rock star lifestyle, right? Like, like I, I, the reality of what it really is. I'd love to hear more about that. You know, funny enough, you, you mentioned that. <laughs> and in full transparency, going into these schools, I was like, yeah, I, I want my face up on the billboards. You know, I want to sell out shows, you know, venues that, you know, have a capacity of 20,000 people. And funny enough, as I was going to school and meeting all these different people from different walks of life, I really discovered, at least for myself, that my vision was changing and my ideals and thoughts around becoming a, a quote unquote rock star was, it was just different. To me, the whole idea of success just changed from the standpoint that it wasn't about having my face on billboards, all that kind of stuff. To me, it was about, okay, what kind of human interaction and connections can I make? How can we help one another really succeed and help in each other's endeavors? How can we make these beautiful songs together? And with communication, since everyone was from different parts of the world, it was very humbling for me because me coming from the US, which is one of the richest countries, there were people coming from third world countries, people who had scrapped every, every bit of money they could just to come into the country and come to this school. And it was very humbling for me to just see that and be part of that and learn about their stories because it allowed me to feel even more gratitude about how I grew up and like what I was wanting to do with my life. And so just learning about other people's backgrounds, just cultural backgrounds, histories, all those different things, it was very humbling. And it was this learning lesson from the standpoint of, hey, never make assumptions about people and always be curious, always be curious to learn about someone, to learn about someone's story, their come from, because you just never know. And it was so inspiring, so encouraging. And I'm still friends with a lot of those people to this day, because it just shows me no matter where you come from, if you put in the time and the energy and the effort and you have the drive, the motivation, 
man, you can really make anything happen. You, you kind of hit a nerve today. <laughs> as, as the host, you actually hit my nerve. So um, I'm just really, really in awe right now of some really polarizing things happening in our, in our, in our world. Yeah. And, and they're based around, you know, world events that are happening and the pandemic and, and COVID and all these things. But what I just cannot get a grasp on is how hateful people are being towards each other. And I was it, this just this morning, I was really reflecting on this and I, and I got saw someone's comment. And my, my immediate thought was if I could stand in front of them, like, I'm not going to talk to them about this over social media or email or anything, but if I could stand in front of them, how different this conversation would go. And I think we're, we're moves, losing that empathy, that, that seeing things from other perspectives, you seem like you're a really empathetic person. I mean, you're already talking about in your early years, um, connecting to other people, listening, kind of seeing the differences and, and being interested. I think that's pretty unique, especially at that age. And I appreciate you, you sharing that Scott and, and just having an awareness in that. I think a big part of that is also, I think a lot of that really stems from the fact that I was bullied because I look back and I think tiny Sarah, I remember how baby Sarah felt. And the last thing I would ever want anyone to feel is the way I felt back then. Mm-hmm. And it was through that experience, even though it was a less than ideal, a very negative experience. It's like, I was able to reframe and really use that. And even to this day, use that. And so with what you're saying, yeah, so prevalent, it's heartbreaking to see just all the discord that is out there right now and the levels of hate and just the racism and the judgments and everything that's out there. And, you know, and again, to be transparent, we're still human at the end of the day, I might still have my moments, but man, I'm able to catch it quickly. And I say, Hey, remember little Sarah, remember what she went through. Do we ever want anyone to ever feel that way to ever feel any type of animosity, judgment, you know, racism, whatever the case is, it's like, no. So what can we do today as an adult, someone who has learned from that experience as a child, what can we do today as an adult to continue to help people out there who are being bullied, who do feel like they're being judged, where there is prejudice, where there is racism and hate speech and and bullying going on? How can we help combat? How can we help them feel like, hey, you're not alone? You do have support. Yeah, it's uh, right now what I think what's so so hard is usually there's a really clear villain. There's someone who's being racist or there's someone who's really hurting other people. At this point, it almost seems like there's an overcompensation. We're starting to like lash, no matter what your view is, it's like, I hate you because of that. And it's, you know, you're like, someone's overcompensating for one thing. It's just, it's just gotten so volatile. But I heard from a a gentleman before that's done a ton of studies and he was speaking I was in a training he was doing, a very small group training, but he was talking about um, uh, perceptual intelligence. Mm -hmm. He's like, basically, if you can really just stop for a second, no matter what that person's point of view is, you you don't have to agree with it. But if you really stopped and listened and asked questions and got a new perspective, like the lens that they're seeing this through, could be super blurry, could be totally flipped upside down. It doesn't matter. Listen to what that perspective is. That will, that'll set up a new level of empathy for you, which actually lets you really, um, start to, to hack away at the roots of the problem. And I I really appreciated that. And I don't think it's a natural thing to do. It's, it's really hard for people to do, but your, your, um, your ability, that empathy, you know, it kind of leads to what you do now. And I want to get to that because, but I, I, I got to understand. So how long you, you're still a musician. What does that yeah. look like for you now? When, as a musician, what do you do? <laughs> well, again, in full transparency, uh, my, my time as a professional working musician over these last 10 plus years has just been absolutely incredible, phenomenal. I wouldn't change it for the world. And funny enough, Last year, beginning of 2020, I had actually been offered a touring opportunity and I started touring with this Persian band and it was amazing. It was like my dreams were finally coming true because I remember at 18 
18 year olds there, I was like, yeah, face on the billboards, all that stuff playing in front of thousands of people. And like I'd shared, you know, some of that had changed. And then, you know, now that I'm in my, my thirties, I was like, well, you know, Hey, I'm very happy. I'm blessed. I've met the people that I met opportunities that I had. Everything's been wonderful. And then this tour opportunity opportunity came up and it's like that 18 year old came back. It's like, this is happening. (laughs) Oh man, maybe it's not our face, but it doesn't matter. We're going to play in front of thousands of people. (laughs) And so, and so the tour was going well, but then of course, as we all know, March, 2020, everything got shut down. And for those of you listening, you know, who may also be in the entertainment industry, it's like, we were all fired. COVID fired all of us. It was done. Like entertainment was one of the first things to go. And it was so devastating and so heartbreaking. And I'm grateful that I happened to be one of those people that always saved up. So I had a savings fund, but man, I, it just, it was so devastating. And I thought, okay, well, this is interesting. What, what happens now? And so that's when my journey really started to shift, but interestingly enough, even before then, even during the tour, actually, no, sorry, let me back up. Actually back in summer of 2019, that's really actually when I realized that I wanted to make a pivot in my life. I'd still decided to stay a musician, but I knew there was something in me still that was calling saying, Hey, we've loved this journey. We've loved this ride being a musician, but I feel like there's more out there. And the reason I say that is because in July of 2019, that is when my father passed. Hmm. And then three months later, almost the day that is when my stepfather passed, who's my second favorite person on this planet. So it was just experiencing two back-to-back losses that were extremely just emotionally, mentally debilitating. And that's really where I felt that shift in my life start. And then the tour started. And then during the tour, I realized I still love doing this. This is great. But based on what I just experienced six months ago, I want to do more. I need to do more. And oddly enough, you know, then the shutdown happened. And for me, it was almost like it, like COVID forced me to ask myself and go even more inward and say, okay, you had this dream of yours happen in the music world. It was beautiful. It was great. But we had this pivoting moment back in 2019. And that is something that has still been very prevalent, still been something that's been kind of tugging at me. This would be the perfect time. Who is Sarah? what do we want to do? What kind of an impact do we want to make on the world on a deeper level? Mm-hmm. And then that's why I do what I do today, just being a, a grief recovery coach and specialist. That's really what led me into doing what I'm doing now. That's a lot of loss in a very short time. <laughs> and quite frankly, I think you would agree that uh, it seems like maybe COVID was also another loss. So you, you had you had two physical losses and then kind of a, a a bit of a, a career loss suddenly were those other two, two deaths, were they sudden or were they kind of like, you knew they were coming, like, give us a little kind of view on, on that situation. Yeah. As, as far as the passings of my fathers, uh, they had both been diagnosed with cancers. Um, my father back in early 2018 and then my stepfather early 2019. Um, so it's very odd in a way we all knew that one day that would probably be that thing that would get them. We just, of course, didn't know when. So it was expected and yet not, if that makes sense from the standpoint of like, okay, we have an idea of what is going to potentially eventually be the thing that gets them. Um, But at the same time in saying that they, they ended up passing due to other complications within their health journey, but it's because of the cancers, since their immune systems were pretty much shot, it's because of those that that's why their bodies couldn't fight off these other complications. Right. That's what ended up causing the passings. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. In addition to just experiencing the loss of loved ones, of course, COVID, I mean, that was a loss in and of itself as well, you know, loss of loss of a job, loss of income, loss of human interaction, you know, and loss of self-identity within that too. And amidst all that, I was also married at the time, went through a divorce, so loss of love, loss of a relationship there too. And, and then even with this year, 
my brother passed away in March of this year. So it's, it's been an interesting couple of years um, for our family, just in regards to, to grief and loss. That is a, that's a lot of loss in a very short amount of time. We kind of talked about this before we hit record. Divorce is a loss. I mean, it, it, there's, there's a lot of loss in divorce. Yeah. So uh, I think a lot of people kind of gloss over it. You know, it's so common. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a big deal. Well, it's a huge deal. And the, and the other thing is you, you kind of mentioned like we knew it was coming, but you cannot prepare for death. I mean, there's just, you know, you could say someone's dying tomorrow, but I don't know that we have the ability to really go there until it actually happens. Um, so you've experienced these, the death of your fathers and, um, the depth of your career at the time and divorce. What resources did you use at that point to really kind of like handle your own stuff? Cause there's, there's no way you didn't have to really dig in and work on what you were going through. Oh yeah. And I, uh, I like to be very transparent, very open and honest. Uh, cause I'm a firm believer in that. I don't like to sugarcoat anything, uh, in full transparency. Honestly, the first few months I was done. I was like, no, nope, I'm done. I don't care if I just lay in my bed for the rest of my life and let life continue to live on without me because I just don't care. Don't care. And it really wasn't until probably three or four months after both of my father's passings where, I mean, and this was even in the midst of the tour where I was like, okay, I got to put on that happy face, pretend like when I'm on stage, everything's sunshine and rainbows, even though deep down, I'm still feeling just this crushing weight of pain. It wasn't until I realized like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gaining, I'm I'm gaining all this weight. I'm ending up in the hospital. I've lost some friendships. You know, my, my marriage is crumbling. You know, I'm, of course I'm in all these other bands, but I've burned bridges there just because I stopped caring about work. I stopped caring about showing up to other gigs. And it wasn't until I started to notice like, wow, all of these people who are trying to provide comfort and solace, who are trying to help, I am pushing everyone away. And I feel so alone, I feel so isolated. And all of that has been my doing. And I realized like, wow, I feel so lonely. And it was, it became almost even more devastating than trying to work through the grief of losing my father's because I had never felt that level of loneliness before in my entire life until that moment. And then that's when I had this realization of like, wow, if I continue to go down this path, I'm going to push everyone away. And what kind of a life is that? Like we're social beings we're meant to to interact and just make these connections to grow evolve love one another be with each other help one another and i'm like all i'm doing right now is continuing to go further and further down this dark rabbit hole that is not going to help anyone and then how can i make an impact on anybody if i can't even help myself so what'd you do so luckily i had a very good friend of mine who has no qualms in telling me when i'm needing to <laughs> that's a really good friend off the floor. oh yeah i everyone god needs one of those her. god bless her love her to death she's <laughs> she's she's a coach without even being a coach i tell her all the time i'm like you should really look into coaching because you're really good at this <laughs> uh so thank god for her it wasn't until her where she's like hey i'm not telling you not to mourn i'm not telling you you know, how or anything like that. All I'm telling you is like, man, you are such a light in this world. And I know right now you can't feel any of that, but it is so prevalent that that is still there. And you may not be able to feel any of it, but it's there. And I'm going to help you uncover all the mud that's on top of it right now. And she's like, here's the deal. Please try out this program. It's, it's something that can be helpful. It's helped so many people. It's helped me. Please just just try it. And I was very skeptical because in the midst of that deepest, darkest time, I had tried going to therapy before. Granted, a good chunk of it was very religious based. And even though I, I am religious, I just, at that time, I was still so very angry. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to hear anything about God or the universe or any of that. I don't need that right now. So that didn't end up working. I had tried the group counseling. I just didn't feel comfortable enough sharing such deep stuff with everybody. Cause I wasn't sure who to feel safe with. 
And so when my friend had approached me with this, I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I was very skeptical, but after having gone through it, I was like, okay, wow. And I was surprised at how much it actually worked and how it helped. And after going through that program, I realized, you know what, if something like this can help someone like me who felt like I would never feel happiness ever again, just want to be in bed the rest of my life. I'm like, wow, I want to be impactful like that for everyone else around me. So it's like, I had done this instant, like 180 shift where I was like, how do I get into it? How do I train to become this facilitator? How do I learn more about grief and loss? I want in on this now, like right now. It gave you a really strong purpose. It sounds like, and your empathy. I mean, you've, you, you've talked just in your, your talking, you've had empathy for a long time in your life. So it's, it's a really good fit. Um, so you went on, you went on this journey of yeah. becoming. Yes. Yes. And honestly, it was, it was like I had shed this old skin and it was almost like it had been coming. It's like 2019 when all that happened with the loss of my father's, it was almost like it was the seed that was being planted from the standpoint of like, Hey, this is just the beginning. You know, we have more to like, there's so much more out there. What, uh, what else can we do? Because if you'd, if you'd have told me five, 10 years ago that I would end up in this space, helping people work through their grievances, their losses. I'd have probably looked at you and said, you crazy, <laughs> you crazy. I don't think so. That's way too heavy. But I look at, like, look at it now and my God, it's just, it's, it's freeing. It's exhilarating. It's the ability. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to help people to walk beside them and see them in that state of devastation and debilitation and say, Hey, I'm never going to say I know exactly how you feel, but man, can I relate to feeling that debilitation? Can I relate to feeling that sadness, that darkness? I've been there. Please let me help you. Please let me help you. And to be cut, to come into that for coming from this place where I thought I would never, ever feel that happiness again. Even to this day, sometimes I think about the journey and I ask myself, damn, how, <laughs> how did we wow, that's crazy. That's amazing. Like how, how, how did we survive through that? Who? Yeah. I, 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 I love this story because it, you I mean, you painted a picture. I don't know that you, if you knew what you were doing, you painted a picture from your early, your early life, what had happened. And, and then you painted a picture of this empathy and to come full circle. So many people I talk to are, I would have never seen myself doing this ever like it's so far from that's how i feel too in my business like i would have never seen myself doing this and i think sometimes those are the most profound um impactful places to be so and and i i love that you've experienced and walked through the fire because i don't know that anybody can do what you do if they haven't or they not with authenticity Yes. And, and you bring up a very good point because that's something that uh, my current clients and even those who I have finished my work with have said, they said, you know, I've tried talking to other therapists, counselors, psychologists, whatever the case is, even friends and family members that they, they just don't understand. And it's like, there has to be this level of empathy, this level of understanding, patience, and really this love for this person, this person who they're not your family. They're not your friend. You don't, you don't, you don't really know all about them, but having that love, that compassion, that understanding coming from this place where it's free of judgment, free of criticisms, analyses, comparisons, just really coming from this place of understanding and talking about going full circle. I feel like, again, being that young girl and coming into that awareness very early and like, wow, I'm being bullied for what, looking different, for being different, for not having nice clothes, whatever the case is. And then even in my music school years, coming into communication and having those relationships with people from different walks of life, I feel like that really also helped grow and stabilize just that understanding, that compassion for people who came from different places, different come froms. And I feel like a lot of those things through, throughout my life and have really helped cultivate and grow this part of my life now as a grief recovery coach. 
Isn't it funny how like life is a painting and you're putting out these layers and it's one thing you see this one picture, you know, this, this part of life is, is painting this beautiful picture. And as, as life goes on and on, all of a sudden, once it's all kind of come to this point, a whole new picture it appears in front of you. And you're like, that's the masterpiece. That's, you know, all the layers, all the things I did led to me to this place where I'm actually realizing the masterpiece, what I was meant to do, what I'm called to do and what gives me energy and what helps me know that I am fulfilling a, a massive need in this world. And I'm telling you, a lot of people grieve a lot. I mean, everybody's going to grieve. We're all going to lose people. And, and I, I, I don't want to knock on counselors or psychologists or anything. I, I have a degree in psychology. I've worked in that field, but there really has to be a different level of empathy when working with, with people who are going through grieving. So yeah. I just commend you. I love, I love the picture of the masterpiece that's sitting in front of you. Now, this is what, who, this is who I am. This is what I'm um, doing. And, and I love the fact with that analogy is that you can add more layers and you can change and you can do another thing, but um, I want to kind of shift. I'm inspired. I want to hear more about some of the things that really kind of chiseled you into the person that you are, the things that really made a difference. So as you're growing through your, your music career and then moving and transitioning into this, this really impactful role of working with people who are going through grief in their life, because you've been there, what were some of the biggest things? What were some of the biggest tools, people, lessons, um, resources that you use that really kind of honed you in as who you are. Hey, before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. So that's a great question, Scott, and I appreciate you asking that. So yes, once I had decided that, you know what? I need to make this change in my life. I need to really figure out what the heck it is that I'm doing, but I don't know where to start. And I thought, well, let's check out this coaching thing. Like I will see what this is even about. And I had done research on different schools and especially with the shutdown, I thought, well, this is the perfect time. You know, I have all the time in the world. Let's do some researching. And I had found a couple different mentors and schools. And I had first in, again, in full transparency, I'd first started at this uh, school called Health Coach Institute, because I thought, well, maybe I'll work in health and wellness first, mm -hmm. help people with time and stress management, because that is still working with them on a deep level. And why not? Let's do that. Let's try that first. And then even though I enjoyed it, I, I found that it didn't really speak to me, speak to me. And, and then I ended up, uh, I was actually contacted by someone uh, from this company called High Impact Coaching. And again, in full transparency, I kind of blew the person off a few times because I was like, okay, I have all these different coaches coming down my throat saying, work with me, work with me, do this, do that. And I was like, okay. So, but they ended up being very persistent. I was like, you know what, what the heck, let me just give this, give this a shot. Spoke with that gentleman, ended up getting to know this team and this company and what they were about. And I felt I really resonated with their mission, what they were wanting to do for people. And I was like, okay, these are going to be the guys who are going to really help me figure out how to make this come together, how to reach more people on a more global level and not only reach people and change people's lives, but in changing other people's lives that in turn continuing to change my life. And so I'm really, really and always will be eternally grateful to Xander Fryer and his team at High Impact Coaching for really getting me to this point in my life and for continuing to work with me. Like they continue to work with me and just help me stay motivated, inspired and encouraged, especially in those moments where sometimes I feel like 
like the imposter syndrome kind of comes into play oh, yeah. where I'm like, I'm like, man, can I keep doing this? And what about this? And what if I haven't experienced this kind of loss? And what if this person's going to feel this way? And, you know, they've just always been on it. And I've been so appreciative of it. Just having that support system put into place because it's really felt like a family. So it feels like a family. The, the structures are there. The business aspect of it is there. And I really feel like that's really been just this stabilizing thing for me in forming this business and really learning what it takes to create a business around this and really reach more people. And, and as far as family and friends go, that same girlfriend that I mentioned, like she's not allowed to leave my life. <laughs> that's what I tell her. I'm like, you're not allowed to leave my life because you, again, once again, as usual, you've changed my life in so many different ways. And and so her, for sure, I definitely keep her in my pocket because <laughs> I love that woman. And so having friends like her who come from this place, again, of, of understanding and compassion and empathy, you know, I, I, I really try to surround myself with those people who I want to emulate, who I feel are making those impacts and changes in the world. And so it's people like her, people, you know, like HIC and, and their team really helped me stay grounded, helped me stay energized and help me keep my, my eye on the prize, so to speak. And like, Hey, how do I continue to reach more people and really continue to change more lives? Yeah, that's, that's good. They, I, they are a very good group. They're, they're actually pretty incredible. Their tools yeah. are awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and especially when it comes to grief and loss, cause you know, as, as you shared earlier, and this is something I also want to touch on is most people just think of grief and loss from the standpoint of losing someone to death, to a death. Um, a lot of people don't look at divorces or separations as a loss, but they are. There's a loss of love, loss of a connection, loss of comfort, familiarity. And I've also discovered that there's losses in so many other forms, just in moving and loss of health. Mm -hmm. And even some of those intangibles. I, and if we use COVID as an example, there was just that loss of socialization, loss of friendships. I mean, there's loss of self-identity because so many of us lost our jobs. And so I've learned so much from this institute that I attended, uh, the Grief Recovery Institute. And they've been a huge, huge asset and just a huge part of my life in working through this journey and being a grief recovery coach where they've shared their knowledge and wisdom in regards to, hey, let's try to get through all the muck, all the myths and, dis and misinformation that's out there around such a heavy yet delicate topic. And let's really show people like, hey, this is what grief and loss is actually about. Yeah. So they've, they've been a huge part of my life as well in this journey. Yeah. That's awesome. What have you, have you read any books or, um, listened to any podcasts or attended anything Well, attending things hasn't been so great lately, but has there been any like other resources that you tap into regularly to kind of help grow yourself? Yes. So I, I do enjoy checking out podcasts. I love reading as well. Again, in full transparency, am I always consistent with it? Not always. I try, you know, I'm human just like everybody else out there. But uh, as far as podcasts go, there is a podcast that I listen to on the regular uh, by this amazing motivational speaker. His name is Trent Shelton. Mm. And he has a podcast called Straight Up. And they'll be like, 15, 20 minute podcast where he's just, man, like dropping some wisdom nuggets and just regards in, in regards to any aspect of life. Like, Hey, here's some self-confidence stuff today. Here's some stuff that you can look at. If you, if the imposter syndrome is happening, Hey, you know what? I just wanted to tell you that you're an amazing person today, whatever the case is. So I, I listen to him when I want to be motivated, so to speak. Yeah. I really like podcasts for that same reason. Like you know, I have books, books are my learning source, but podcasts are almost like that, that, uh, that little burst that I'll need. It's that encouragement or it sparks ideas. A lot, a lot of times ideas, like I listen to something in the, in the genre that I want to have an idea and I'm feeling, you know, I'm inspired about, and I want to share. It's like, I listen to this person and it, and it breathes life into me. So I love hearing that someone else kind of has this, this daily or this, this uses them to kind of fill yourself up. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I definitely want to know a little bit more about like you as a person, like what the things that you do to kind of keep yourself fueled. So what are, what, 
let's let's look at just like one daily activity that you just like is a non-negotiable for you if you have any yeah i know of course of course especially just due to the nature of the field that i work in because it can be so heavy i naturally take on a lot of people's energy their emotions their stories so for me i have to kind of brain dump so to speak otherwise i will i'll go insane So for me, a non-negotiable is every morning before I start working on anything, talk to any clients, before I do do anything, period, I have to do some type of physical activity that gets my body moving, whether that's doing some type of meditation, whether that's working out, going on a hike up in the mountains, going on a walk around a park, something that gets my body moving. Because for me, when my body gets moved in some way, then mentally, mentally and emotionally, my mind is going to get moving. And it's like, it's a way for me to empty myself, so to speak, and just say, okay, kind of brain dumping everything, allowing myself to receive whatever is going to be received today. That way I can prepare for the day. And I notice that on those days where I don't do that, then I, I notice, I notice the difference. It's like, I have a much harder time focusing, concentrating. I get a little snappier. And I don't like that, especially if I'm with clients and whatnot. I'm like, ooh, my patience is not where it normally is. Oh, I, I feel like my reservoir doesn't feel as, as, as empty as it should to, to receive more. So those are definitely, that's definitely non-negotiable for me, doing some type of activity in the morning that gets me moving. Yeah, uh, I, every single day, I, it's a non-negotiable. I don't care what the weather is. I don't care where I'm at. I'm going to get outside and I'm going to do something, do something active. I'm, I'm, you know, walk, whatever. And then I'll work out too. And it is, I would highly encourage everybody. And I love one, something you said is before I do anything, Mm -hmm. I believe that we should have a, like a value ladder and our day should start with that, like those values in order. And like social media is not high on my value ladder. So it's not going to be opened until I've fed myself the things that I need to feed myself. So I love that you have that kind of, I'm going to get out and I'm going to get active, let fill myself. And I can't even imagine (laughs) the emotions that you, that kind of like hop on you all day long working with within your field. It's got to be pretty heavy. Oh yeah. And that's why I say, especially due to the nature of the the work that I do, it's that's why it's a non-negotiable because I, I can tell when I'm not quite as receptive as I normally am. And it's always on those days where it's like, man, I either woke up late or whatever the case, something kind of put a kink in the day. And I'm like, ah, I couldn't go outside today. I couldn't do this or something like that. And I can feel that. So then I always try to make that effort. I'm like, nope. I'm like, nope, I got to take at least that first hour in the morning when I wake up, nothing else is going to detract me from this. Have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So Last real question here is if you could go back in time and share one piece of advice with yourself, like something like, I wish I would have known this. And this is also really super helpful for other people like starting their journey or in their journey. What would that piece of advice be? I think it's a great question. And if I was able to go back in time and tell young Sarah, Yeah, I give any piece of advice. I think that would be because most of us as human beings, we don't like change. Um, And I remember even when I considered going into this new field, I was like, oh my God, this is scary starting a business during COVID and uh, the imposter syndrome, all this stuff. And I felt like as a kid, I was more receptive. And so I think now, and, and what I would tell myself as a kid is like, hey, you know what? Always stay open to change. Always stay open to pivoting and enjoying the journey and knowing that it's in the midst of those storms. And when we're really being put in the fire, that man, you're really going to discover who you are and those aspects of yourself. That's what's going to attract those people who are going to want to help you succeed in life and you help them succeed in their life as well. And it's like, always stay open always stay compassionate and understanding. Never let anyone tell you anything less. Never let anyone try to dim your light and try to tell you that you don't have a voice because I felt that way for so long. And so I think that is definitely one of the biggest pieces of advice I would give is 
if you know you have a voice, you know you have something important to say, you know that there's something you can say or do that could change someone's life. It's like, don't let anyone ever take that away from you. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. All right, so I, wanna, I want our listeners for sure, and this will be in the show notes too, but I definitely want them to know how they can find Sarah. Yeah, no, and I, and I appreciate that, Scott. Thank you. Uh, so I have a website where you can learn more about what it is that I do, what I offer as a grief recovery coach and specialist. And my website is www.sarahthegriefcoach.com. Super simple. That's awesome. Very simple, very straightforward. No ins and outs about like, what is it that you do? It's like, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty straightforward. Uh, For those of you who are on Facebook, Instagram, all those social media platforms, I have a uh, private grief and loss support group as well. For those of you who may be wanting some extra support, who might be interested in what that would even look like. And so that you can find that at the Healing Journey Home. That's the name of my Facebook group. And as far as my Instagram and my, my personal page, same as my website, facebook.com slash Sarah, the grief coach. And my Instagram handle is also the same at Sarah, the grief coach. Awesome. Awesome. Couldn't be easier. That's, that's pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Yeah. And Sarah with an H, correct? Oh, yes. Okay. Because yes. mm-hmm. that could go wrong really fast. Oh, yeah, true. They're like, I'm trying to look for you, but it's like, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or that yeah, doesn't look like the Sarah I saw. On. Yeah. Right. And then if they if they go on my uh, my personal Facebook page, there's a link to my support group on there as well. Yeah, yeah I encourage people to look, look, if you're listening and you're like really leery of getting involved in Facebook groups, that's the power of Facebook book. It's not your personal feed. It's it's getting in a group. And, and literally surrounding yourself with people who have kind of the same needs uh, and same goals as you. And there's someone facilitating that is kind of the driver and, and really has some of the answers. And, you know, quite honestly, there's a ton of value in those groups. So don't hesitate, go do it. That's absolutely a must. If you're not involved in those, you're probably missing out on the power of, of those groups. Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I, I would highly recommend you to anybody just knowing your background and your story. It's uh, very, uh, very inspiring and very, um, I, I guess, heartwarming. <laughs> I, don't know well, I appreciate, I appreciate that, Scott. Thank you. I, I am also very grateful for the opportunity today to just have, just to speak about just all the pivots that were taken throughout my life. And I, I hope that anything that I've said in our conversation today is able to help inspire or encourage or motivate anyone who's listening or watching just to be like, Hey, go and try some stuff. Yeah. Why not give it a shot? It's always possible to pivot. It's always possible to make those changes and use your voice. You have a voice for a reason. Use it. There's only one of you out there. You have something special to share. Like believe in that. Yeah. Sarah, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you. And, and just, again, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the stories that sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.